Welcome to the Plus One to Hit podcast. My name's James and I'm your host. In this first episode, you'll meet regular guests to the show, Jim, Graham and Mark. First off, I introduce you to Jim and Graham and we have a chat about where our hobby is right now, what we've been working on and what we've got coming up in the near future. Tonight I'm joined by Graham. How you doing, you right? And Jim. Hello! <laughs> a bit, bit, bit of Paddy in you there, wasn't there, Jim? Hello there! <laughs> Thanks for joining me, guys. So, obviously, that's our first episode. What are we doing in our hobby? Great. What have you been up to? Yeah, so I've been away from it for a little while, actually. I've been kind of getting into the hobby over the last, well, I say back into the hobby over the last sort of year, year and a half, I think. Um, it started off with us doing our role-playing game, the Death Watch role-playing game, which James, you've been GMing for us. And that's kind of reignited my sort of spark for the hobby. Um, so I've recently taken some models from you to paint for you, which has been great. It's been really good to get back into painting again. Uh, and then I've just been trying to catch up with all the different games. There's been so much happening since I was last into the hobby. Um, in fact, even with the paints, there's so many new paints since I've painted anything. There's like contrast paints and all the names are different. Uh, I think I went into the store with the Chaos Black, and that isn't a thing anymore. It's like <laughs> Abaddon Black. Um, but yeah, just trying to catch up with everything, really. Like, and all the new box sets that have been coming out, stuff like that. Like, um, like Necromunda looks quite interesting. I know you guys have been playing that as well. And I kind of like the cross between the narrative side of things that we've been doing with our Death Watch game, as we mentioned. But then you've kind of got the more like physical model side, like 40k. Yeah. So, um, I, well, I we we haven't actually played anything yet but um <laughs> we've all chosen our gangs and sort of getting them built i know jim you've been working on your corpse grind corpse, corp, yeah it has to be done it jim's a jim's a, a corn berserker guy through and through so it had to be corpse grinder cults didn't it as soon as i oh. saw them when i was looking for the models i was like i bet jim's doing them <laughs> well it's between that or the big sort of like goliath is it the house goliath i think they're called yeah they'll, they'll they'll do they'll do and then as i as i look through the rest of the games i think it was like the second one from last was corpse grinders i was like no they'll do <laughs> like, they're the ones <laughs> and i looked at their loadout and it was like um like what was it like disc blade weapons and like chain axes and chain glaives and I don't think there's a pistol in sight. I was like, yes, these are the guys. I think it's pretty fair to say anything that's got a chain axe attached to it, Jim's going to be going for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good shout. So, um, so yeah, so that is like quite an interesting game system. And then I've been keeping tabs of, because I'm mainly a 40K player, I suppose, I'd say. And I've been keeping tabs on also the new edition and all the new armies that are coming out and getting the, the codex revisions. So, the uh, intrigued by like the Thousand Sons and Grey Knights because they've always been two armies I quite like. The, uh, the new Orc models are quite interesting. I like the fact they've kind of made them a bit more serious. They've kind of obviously they're still comical in terms of how the vehicles work because they're just like ramshackle. But the kind of faces, I think they were they were due an update anyway. Like the Orc boys are like probably about twenty years old now. I think so. Um, yeah, they, those new models are really smart. So that should be quite an exciting release. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying that about the, um, you know, the, the change in the sculpts about them not being as cartoony and being a bit more sort of cool and brutal looking. Yeah, it always, always bugs who... me a little bit that like in the in like the media and in the magazines, obviously, you know, you have like the orc language and the orc way of saying things. And it kind of, I don't know, it, it didn't always fit to me with the kind of 
you know, how barbaric and ferocious they really are. Like, it makes them, sometimes I always feel like orcs were like a bit of a joke, but like an orc can take on a space marine, like, you know, yeah. in, in the in the fluff. So like, for me, yeah, it was, there was something missing in there. So I'm quite pleased the models are a bit more serious and hopefully they reflect that in some of the rules and so forth. Um, but yeah, other than that, I am uh, primarily a Chaos player and an Iron Warriors fan. So I'm kind of waiting for the Chaos Codex before I delve into 40k for real, I think. What are you hoping for? For your Iron Warriors? I would like, I think for me, it's just about a bit more love and attention for the Legion. Firstly, for the rules. I think I'd, not the rules have been necessarily bad on some of the last editions I've seen, but I think, and I don't want to sound like a Chaos crybaby here, but I think when compared to some of the Imperial things have happened, It'd be nice to have that sort of depth, I think. You know, to have their own supplement would be amazing, which is more fluff in there. But I think for me, I'm more of a... I like painting, but I love, like, the modelling side of it. I just love the building of the models and doing conversions and kit bashing and all that sort of stuff. So it'd be really cool if there were some more Iron Warriors parts, like shoulder pads and maybe some specific helmets and stuff like that. A bit like they've done with the Imperial stuff, where they've now got the little upgrade packs that have all the different shoulder pads. You get, like, a a themed sword or a themed axe and stuff like that. I'd like to see that kind of detail put in there. I don't expect them to get their own like full range, like the Death Guard or the Thousand Suns, as much as that would be awesome. But I think, yeah, if they if they could... And they did do this back in the day. Like When I first got into the hobby, they did do, like, you get, like, Iron Warrior, like, bionic legs and, and arms and stuff. And, yeah, you can use some of the Iron Hand stuff as well, which is what a lot of people did back in the day. But I, I would like to see some more model support and a character, at least one actual character like yeah. name character. So someone like Honsu, for example, from the books. Oh, he was um, cool, wasn't he? he yeah, was really yeah, absolutely. And again, like following the Imperial pattern, like even the Iron Hands, who never really had a name character, got one in the most recent update that I've seen. So yeah, just some sort of like Iron Warriors Warsmith would be amazing. I reckon it's going to happen. I, I'd really like to. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Chaos player, as you know, but I really do feel for, the, for you Chaos players because those of us that play loyal space marines for want of a better phrase we've had several codexes we've got some we've got supplements for you know all of the sub factions and things like that and they're very um they're very thematic you know there's a real flavor for how that forces so for example my chapter my storm dragons which are a salamander successor they've got all of that salamander's flavor in how I feel them on the table and their lore and all that sort of stuff. And that's really cool. And that's all been facilitated by the books and the supplements, I think. And I would love, I think it would be really awesome for the game if you guys got that as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling like I need, need the love for the uh, the world eaters, man. The, 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 new the models. That, yeah, new models as a base, like, as, as the real sort of first thing to get sorted. But I, I was mulling that over the other night and I just thought, well, Actually, Corn Berserk is a pretty powerful unit as it is. Like I was thinking, what else could they really add to it that's gonna that's gonna like pack a bit more of a punch, but not too much. But the fact that they they already fight twice, um, and they're what plus one strength um, anyway as a base. I just think, um, yeah, it's difficult. And obviously, from a law perspective, uh, there's not many more units you can really add into it, like post 30k like in the 40k universe um corn berserkers are the sort of core unit for world eaters aren't they so they've thrown the red butchers in which is awesome there is a a, a cp cost a two cp but you've then got terminators that fight twice 
oh. that and it's plus one strength as well. So that is pretty brutal. So I have got, I've still got to build mine yet. They're in the box and I'm, I'm, I'm like itching to get them going. But obviously we got our uh, Age of Seedmar thing going. So uh, I'm focusing on that at the moment. But yeah, getting those red butchers up and running will be sweet. So what, what have you been, what have you been up to then, Jim? Well, Age of Sigmar kicking off. So we, I've been uh, building my Sylvan F army. I've got uh, three quarters of them painted. They're looking great. Uh, I've gone for different colour schemes in them as well. So they're not all the same, which is cool. I've got my corpse grinders that I'm going to be building in the very near future. And I'll tie those in with the red butchers as well, because the, the colour schemes are going to be really similar. So the same sort of paints, um, similar colours, really. So I'll, I'll, I'll sort of build them at the same time. I gratefully received um, a box of Bulgrins or Ogrins today from you, James. So I'm super excited to build that uh, uh, from a Necromunda perspective. Uh, so when, when we when we start getting our gangs sorted, I'm definitely going to be including one of those. I haven't decided on the loadout yet. Yeah, I think you're going to be relatively limited, but they'll be cool. I think they're they're quite cool models actually. I've never made an Ogrin before. They go together nicely. They're they're pretty nice, pretty nice kit, and you've got your option of making them as an ogrin or a bulgrin, and yeah, pretty cool. They look absolutely brutal. So to put that in in the gang as well is going to be pretty imposing. Um, and I think my corpse grinders are going to be uh, really offensive as it is. So I'm considering taking a ogrin, but I think it's going to be a bulgrin. Yeah, bulgrin's got you written all over it. The, the dude's got. <laughs> Extra armor plating on his front. He's got a massive shield. Carries a whopping great mace, or he can have a sort of power fisty type thing. Yeah, it's just got Jim written all over it, really. <laughs> so, I mean, I haven't obviously I haven't been doing any painting, but I've been working on some terrain boards for Necromunda, which obviously I've sent you guys photos of. Uh, I've been making up yeah, some game boards there, and I'll tell you what, I've been really enjoying that. It's something I've never really done before. I mean, Graham will remember this from back in the day, but I used to hate making terrain. I used to do everything I could to avoid doing it. But yeah, I've been really enjoying that, actually. I've done I've done four of the boards. I'm working on a couple more at the moment, which are going to be a gang stronghold. So they're coming along really nicely. The first two boards are away with Dave Smith. Hello, Dave, if you're listening, doing the paintwork on them for me. And man, they are sounding wicked. Uh, I don't think it's going to be too long before I get them back. So, uh, in fact, when I do get them back, I'll get some photos up so people can see them. Uh, So that's been really cool. Um, I don't know whether you guys have read these or not, but I've recently finished Valdor Birth of the Imperium uh, in audio format, which is basically set in 30K. And it's about when the Empress building the Imperial Palace and all that sort of stuff. And it's all centered around Valdor, um, who, as we know, is a um, custodian. He's the custodian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's pretty cool. But you get a bit of an insight into his personality and why he, why he is how he is. And, but, the, you know, the thing, I don't want to, you know, don't want to spoil it for everybody, but man, you learn such a lot about the Thunder Warriors and it is really, really cool. Um, so I'd recommend that if you haven't read it, um, either, you know, in print format or listen to the audio, but it's well worth listening to. It's really very good. I, I can't remember where I heard it, but 
I think it was in another novel or something. They were talking about Constantin Baldor. And yeah. um, they were saying about that his, prow- his martial prowess is that great and his strength is that prestigious that he could actually um, sort of compete with Primarchs. It wouldn't surprise me, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, definitely worth it, I think. Now we've met Jim and Graham, our next piece is our disability in the hobby section. Naturally, we've got a huge interest in the hobby, but we've also got an interest around disability within the hobby. As you already know, I'm blind. To be honest, I do wonder how many other hobbyists there are out there with a disability. I can't be the only one. One of the things we'd like to do with this podcast is speak to as many of those hobbyists from around the world about their hobby story, how they play, how they make models, how they paint, and all of that good stuff. So to kick things off, I thought I'd tell you my story. It's always a good idea to start from the beginning. So, how did I get into the hobby in the first place? I was 13, coming on 14, and one of my best friends had an older brother who was into Hero Quest and Space Hulk and all of these really cool games with these really cool little miniatures. And ultimately, as my little group of friends got older, we started taking an interest in what his older brother was doing and asking questions and getting under his feet and generally just being annoying young teenagers, really. But thankfully, he was a really nice guy and he kind of showed us what the models were and what the games were and he even taught us how to start playing Hero Quest initially. But then... We were more interested in the guns, to be honest, so he showed us Space Crusade. And that's kind of where it all started for us, really. Needless to say, it wasn't too long before I was badgering my parents for some of these cool models, and obviously, as with most of us, it spiralled out of control from there, and here we are, over 30 years later. So that's how I got into the hobby, but where does being blind come into it? Well, the truth is, I've not always been blind. I was fully sighted up until 2004, and by December 2005, I'd completely lost my sight. I'm what's classified here in the UK as severely sight impaired. For all intents and purposes, I can't see anything at all. I can't see light or colour or shadow or movement or detail. I've effectively got complete blackness. So as you can probably imagine that had quite a drastic impact on my hobby. I was always a prolific painter and it's the thing that I miss the most even to this day. As you can imagine losing your sight is a hugely traumatic time and to be honest it took me a few years to get over the shock of losing my sight and to adapt in a general day-to-day kind of way. So I probably had a break of four or five years where I didn't really do any hobby stuff at all. I certainly didn't make any models. Painting was out of the question. And even reading the books became impossible. Don't forget, this was long before audiobooks were available from Black Library. So I just didn't really have that to fall back on either. I found it really difficult and incredibly frustrating. All I really wanted to do was go to my happy place and make my models, paint them, and 
play games with friends, but of course that just wasn't realistic anymore. So if we fast forward a few years, I was in the process of sorting out some junk in my spare room, as you do, and I came across a rather large bit box, which I just hadn't touched for a few years. I got to picking up parts of models, some Space Marine legs, a Space Marine head and torso and arms and backpack and stuff like that. And I started dry running, putting these things together. And there was a little glimmer of hope because I kind of figured that I might be able to put these together purely by feel. So the following day, I went into town with my sister and purchased some plastic glue. And that evening, I put together my first Space Marine from my bits box purely by feel. It wasn't perfect, but it certainly wasn't the worst example of an assembled Space Marine I've ever witnessed. So uh, it, it wasn't too bad. And from there, I kind of just built on that skill. And here I am now, nearly 20 years down the line. I'm making models regularly. I have fantastic people who paint them for me. And it works out great. They always work with me as to what I want. It's one of the things I always enjoyed the most was creating colour schemes and mixing colours and everything like that. So obviously we're a long way down the line from when I last painted. So the paints have changed completely. There's contrast paints and technical paints and all sorts of stuff. Back in the day when I used to paint, we had the standard acrylics, ink washes and that was pretty much it. In terms of where the modelling aspect of the hobby is for me right now, I still really enjoy assembling models, whether they're the multi-part plastic kits or even the easy-fit plastic kits. Something that I did learn very quickly was that I can only really work with plastic. Metal and resin aren't really viable, simply because when I'm using polystyrene cement, it gives me enough contact time and flexibility when putting together a plastic model to be able to slightly move an arm or slightly reposition a head or whatever it may be really. Whereas with resin and metal, of course you generally need to use super glue. There's drilling and pinning involved, particularly with metal models. And to be honest, it just ends up being a complete mess with me sticking my own fingers to myself or me sticking a model to my hand and not being able to remove it without removing several layers of skin in the process. So I do try and avoid that as much as possible. I've very much got into making terrain now, particularly with the Necromunda kits, because the scenery in that game is just awesome. It's so evocative of the environment, and I can sit for an evening and create an entire Zone Mortalis board, sort of plan it out, and then over the course of the next few evenings actually put it together. And... I really enjoy doing it now, and that's something I absolutely loathed when I used to be able to see. I wanted to get on with painting my infantry models or my tanks or my characters. So, that gives you an overview of my hobby and how I got into it in the first place. Next time, I'll talk about how I've adapted to playing games, the methods I use, and the ever so slightly adapted tools that I use to make playing games possible. Next up, Jim and I talk about our Age of Sigmar armies, how we chose them, 
and to speculate on our fast-approaching first-ever AOS game. So Jim's with me to have a chat about some Age of Sigmar. Now, we haven't actually played a single game yet, mainly because of COVID and all the horrible things that comes with that. But a couple of years ago, we decided as a group that we wanted to get into Age of Sigmar. And over the COVID period, we've been working on our armies, building the models and putting some paint on them. So how's it going for you, Jim? Yeah, really excited, mate. I've really enjoyed the whole process so far. And um, just rewinding it a little bit, uh, my army of choice is Sylvaneth. Obviously, you know what I do for a living, being a tree surgeon and that, smashing down trees. Uh, I thought I would uh, give back a little bit and um, start using trees in, in, in Warhammer. And uh, yeah, they're really cool. The models are absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think the models for AOS are just awesome in some ways i think they're actually better than 40k and you know how i, how I feel about 40k it's my favorite game so what made you decide for um silver then was it just the your sort of links with trees and stuff or did you like the look of the army or what was it for you a bit of both really i think because i obviously love trees and love the outdoors um and i love i love the, the look of them and the the, the way they the, the way they sort of stand and that their sort of table presence and the colors the colours are just amazing and the, the variety of schemes that you can have either throughout your force or um, if you pick a glade like Dreadwood's going to be like dark and, and sort of evil or you go for like a winter leaf which is like um, like frozen and, and snow and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's quite a, a contrast and I think that's what I liked, that, that sort of broad scale that I, that I could choose from. That's really cool. I know there's, you know, there's some incredible Sylvaneth armies out there, sort of on like White Dwarf and entered into Golden Demon and things like that. So I guess you're drawing some inspiration from there as well as nature. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I've seen I've seen quite a few um, like on Instagram and things like that. You, you, I get like the Golden Demon feed, so that it like sends uh, pictures to me, and I can I can sort of skim through them and have a look at them. And there tends to be quite a bit of Sylvaneth on there because obviously. It fits in that when you're looking at scenery and things like that from a golden demon perspective, there's of, often trees and things like that involved. So I think Sylvanas quite a quite a popular choice. But yeah, just they just look really cool. I, I'm really looking forward to see because like you've been working on some models lately, haven't you? Sort of painting them. So I'm really looking forward to uh, sort of getting them on the table and stuff. Now, for for the listeners' benefit, uh, Jim and I have got our first Age of Sigmar game arranged and. Jim's been working hard for getting 500 points worth of force painted up ready for that game. So how are you getting on with that? Well, you know what I'm like, mate. <laughs> My uh, efforts in painting, uh, it's weird because like, if, if I get in the rhythm of painting, I just I fire them out. I just run through them and I end up getting them done. But if I stop, if I put the paintbrushes down for any period of time longer than a week, it's game over. And um, that, that week can turn into like six months so uh, I've just managed to sort of plough through and really get stuck into it. I started off quite ambitiously with the Spirit of Durthu, uh, and he's huge. He's one of my HQ units. He's a hero. And um, I think, is it a monstrosity they class as, or a behemoth, or something like that? He's, he's massive. Yeah, it, it, he's, he's been great to test on because he's got the larger scale. I can really sort of have a play around without making too many mistakes. Yeah, I've managed to get my dryads done. I've got one of my Kurnothi done. I've got Scaith from Scaith's Wild Hunt, and he looks really cool. And three Kurnoth Hunters, and they look 
epic as well. They look really cool. And I'm really looking forward to playing with those because they are, they're apparently really brutal. I must admit, I don't know what any of those things are, but I'm really looking forward to getting them on the table. I'm, so for, for our listeners' benefit, we're completely new to this Age of Sigmar malarkey. We're traditionally 40k players, so and we've sort of kind of come across to this. So we're still trying to get our head around the sort of terminology, the names of the units and things like that. So my army of choice was Stormcast Eternals. And there's a few reasons for it. I like Space Marines in 40k, and as we all know, Stormcast Eternals are effectively the Space Marines of the uh, of, of AOS. But um, it was a little bit more basic, really, my options, because I wasn't really that invested with AOS when we first started. In fact, I'm sure Jim will remember this. Um, of, of the group of us, I was the least enthusiastic about it. So I was choosing a, an army which would be easy to pick up relatively cheaply, um, wouldn't have a massive model count, and I could just sort of get stuck in with. And so Stormcast Eternals was a pretty stable choice for me. Plus, the models are nice and chunky, which means they're much easier for me to put together than something as fitting as what Jim's doing. So that's kind of why I went with Stormcast Eternals. So Jim, I've picked my 500 points ready for our first game, and I've not got many models at all. It's a little bit like playing Space Marines in 40k for 500 points. You're not going to get many at all. So that's kind of where I am, really. I've got a, uh, a reasonably um, modest force, to be fair, with Sylvaneth. The points values range massively. It's like um, a big divide. So all the, the big heroes and, and the monstrosities and the big guys, they're, they're really high points. And all of the battle lines, sort of uh, standard guys, that like you're the equivalent of infantry, are really cheap but really flimsy, as in um, they don't pack much punch on the battlefield. They've got some really cool little little abilities and things like that, but as far as survivability goes, they just get crushed. But it's a, it's a new dynamic for me, having movement as the, the positive sort of go-to for, for the army. So it's, it's, a, it's a going from my 40k roots of um, World Eaters, this is like the complete polar opposite. And maybe going back to one of your previous questions, that was uh, maybe a feed into why I picked Sylvaneth, just because... Um, it's a complete, it's pushing my boundaries and, and right out of my comfort zone. So it's, it's looking more at tactics, holding objectives, because instead of uh, kill, main, burn, and skulls for the skull throne, it's more like move, sit on an objective, dodge the arrows, if you know what I mean. But um, yeah, it's really cool and it's exciting. Um, my, my force is uh, I've got two hq units and both of them are i've got a branch wraith and a branch witch and um yeah they're both they're both uh low points values and uh, they're both casters then i've got some dryads which is like the real standard battle line so they're they're like the the the, the, the core really um they can be summoned but i'm taking because obviously we've got to squeeze all these units into only five a mere 500 points and um, some tree revenants, which are great. They're like a bunch of five dudes that hop around the table, and, and I think they're going to really wind you up. And then there's the Colonel Hunters, which are uh, they're, they're, they're they're sort of my brutal bodyguard unit. There's three of them. They they hit hard. They've got three wounds each, and they've got some nasty tricks up their sleeves as well. So yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I mean, okay. So given that you've revealed your force, I'll reveal mine as well. So I've got. My HQ is 
a Lord Arcanum on Griff Charger. It's just an awesome model. It's the first Stormcast model I ever made, and I just want to try him out. Uh, so <laughs> I've no idea how he's going to work. Uh, I've got a five-man unit of Liberators, which are like the the basic foot troops. A five-man unit of Sequitors, which are the slightly more elite foot troops and a four-man unit of castigators, which are the dudes with the massive great crossbows. That's it. That's my whole force. But I'm quite excited about that. That's pretty cool, mate. That sounds, um, it sounds like a really, uh, uh, what Stormcast Eternals seem to me, they seem like a really straight across the board, like equally balanced force. Like they're, they're, they're strong, they're tough, they're reliable. They've got a bit of shooting, They've got some some tough characters that can get in, into the thick of it, and that they just seem like a really balanced force. I mean, certainly what I've read would indicate the same. I don't know. I'm, I mean, all we can do is is have a go, have some fun, have a laugh, get them on the table, and uh, have some games. Oh, I can't wait. Really can't wait. It's, as I said, it's going to be really interesting to push myself out of, out of my comfort zone and resist charging you. <laughs> For a start, that's going to be. Oh my no, name. no! Charge me! Charge me! Charge me! You, you can charge me with your with your tree revenants. That's fine. Don't yeah. worry. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I think that I think we'd be over over in two rounds. <laughs> Once we've had our first game, we'll perhaps come back and have a chat and discuss how we felt it went, and uh, hopefully, we can give some pointers for people that are starting out with the new edition of Age of Sigmar and talk about our experiences, if you're up for that. Definitely, mate. I'm really excited for that. And I've noticed a lot of people, especially with the, the, the drop of the new edition and obviously new models coming out, things like that. I've, I've noticed that there's there's a, a lot of interest in AOS drumming up. In, in other um, sort of podcasts and things like that, I've heard things being mentioned in yeah, other shows on YouTube that they're starting to talk about uh, getting into AOS as well. That's cool. So we'll look forward to that then. So thanks for joining me, Jim. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Finally in this episode, Mark and I venture into the grim darkness of the far future to talk about our recent experiences with Ninth Edition and our first few games. So Mark has popped to the studio so we can have a chat about our 40k Ninth Edition experience. How are you doing, Mark? I'm very well, James. So we've recently had... Uh, three games of Ninth Edition 40k, having not played for well over a year now, I think. Too long. So I thought it would be quite useful for us to sort of have a chat about that and talk about our experience and how we found Ninth Edition versus Eighth Edition and generally just have a chat about how we found the games, really. So with that in mind, do you want to tell the listeners what army you're collecting and kind of what you're thoughts around that are definitely so um well i got into 40k thanks very much to yourself i started off playing a game with james james taught me how to um uh play um pretty much from scratch taught me all the rules and uh obviously started playing with his um with his armies once i then decided what army i wanted to get we then took a trip to warhammer world and uh, spent a horrendous amount of money on paints um but the two armies which i collect now are uh, adeptus mechanicus and necrons it's the necrons that i use now so what made you what made you choose Necrons over all the other factions out there? One, because I'm a massive sci-fi fan and who doesn't love Terminator? And Necrons to me are just basically a bunch of angry, 
Arnold Schwarzenegger is basically on the battlefields and I just love that and you know I love the models I think they look cool um, they're really good uh, to play with they've got a really good balance of you know real heavy shooting weapons um, but they're also nasty in close combat for me the thing that drove me to them was they just they're just basically an army of terminators who doesn't want to play with an army of terminators they are pretty cool actually I mean I really like the sort of Terminator aesthetic from like the Arnie films and stuff I think for me they're really quite sort of spindly models aren't they and I think for me personally they'd be a bit too challenging to build but they are cool though so you've been experimenting with your dynasties haven't you I have, yeah. So I've been trying out the different dynasties just to see how each one plays. So, so far we've uh, played with uh, the Neferit dynasty um, as the primary one. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just a horrible dynasty to play against, to be honest. What was that one you did in the last game where they had like seven billion attacks each or something? That's not a dynasty thing, that was a trait. The last dynasty I played with, um, sorry the mains just completely escaped my mind but it, it basically gave them the ability to add rolls to their charge yeah it was plus one to charge yeah, wasn't it yeah that's, that's cool it. yeah that was nasty so actually to to give a bit of an overview we played uh three games we did a 500 point game first just to sort of break us back into it really then we've done two 750 point games yep obviously we played quite a lot of eighth edition games during the life of eighth edition uh, between the four of us really what I found is that it kind of took, or I felt like it kind of took the best bits out of 8th edition and got rid of the crappy bits. Well, I agree. It's, I don't know, it's, 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 it's quite funny, isn't it? Because when, when I look back on it now, I sort of think I can't really think what the differences are because we've now just played that and the way that 9th edition plays, it just flows really well anyway. Um, but I think obviously the biggest thing which we uh, noticed straight away because we both um, when we've been playing it we've, also, we've both been taking quite you know hand-to-hand combat um, units and I think the biggest thing for us is the um, is the fight phase and how that um, and how that works now um, and I think that's I think GW have really got a good balance there on how the fight phase you know would work in reality and I think that's that's the biggest change that we found and I think that's that's the one which I think works works really really well um, and it just gives a bit more balance to that um, that section of the game. I like the fact that they did away with Overwatch. Well, they didn't get do away with Overwatch. They reduced how frequently it could be used. So obviously anybody can use Overwatch mm. to defend the CP. And I think that made a massive difference because, you know, there were games I remember in 8th edition where, you know, you were charging half a dozen units and then you were getting so much Overwatch that it was adding an extra sort of five minutes just to that round. It was, it yeah, was silly, really. But I really like it, and I agree. I think it flows really well. And because it's been so long since we've actually played like an eighth edition game, like I say, trying to like for me, just trying to get those understand those differences now, because they are ever so subtle differences, isn't they? Like the only one that really sticks out to me at the particular moment in time is um, is the fight phase. The rest of it is kind of um, it's kind of all kind of all there, really, because obviously every, everything else in reality kind of works the same. Um, well, at, well mm. it it does, but of course the um, the terrain rules changed massively, on oh, massively. Oh yeah, and that's made yeah, a really yeah, no, big that's oh, a, positive. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I think that's made a positive difference actually, because like, in eighth edition terrain didn't really mean much, but now in ninth edition, I think you can feasibly 
plan to use that that piece of cover properly and you can you can mm. plan your route to move up the table and all that sort of stuff and I think that's made a big difference yeah and you've got the unit coherency as well now, haven't you which yeah. you didn't have before so you can't just line your men up in a massive long line anymore that hasn't affected me too much because I'm only using sort of five man units of space marines whereas you with your 10 or your 20 Necron warriors I think that makes quite a big difference for you doesn't it yeah because you've just got to make sure that you've got enough space to put them all put them all in yeah. Uh, to be honest. So, uh, so yeah. So that is quite good. Then, obviously, with the Necrons as well, with the new um, reanimation protocols. Then, obviously, well, that's that's obviously a um, a Codex update rather than Ninth Edition update. But again, it's it works really well. I think the changes have been positive. There's been a fair amount of negativity over over the internet about quite a lot of things. But um, I've, I've, I think overall, the game flows really well. I really like it. I think it's probably the best version of 40k we've had in a long, long, long time. Mm. We've got a really good core foundation of rules. I think the terrain rules have improved really well. I like what they're doing with um, stratagems as well, in that where everybody's command point allowance is higher in the first place, it means you've got a little bit more scope to use some pre-battle stratagems, but still have a few left over to use some in the game. And I love the fact that you get a stratagem at the beginning of each battle round as well. I think that's really cool because there were, I can remember games in 8th edition, I'm sure you probably can mm. as well, where you'd start the game with, I don't know, half a dozen command points, two rounds had gone, and that's it, you were out of CP. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and yeah. I, I like that. I think that's a good change. At the end of the day, everybody's not going to be happy 100% of the time, are they? So, um, no. But I think... I, I, I'm having more fun playing ninth edition than I did playing eighth edition. I think is probably a fair assessment. I agree. I mean, obviously, your experience of playing well all the editions, isn't it? Really. Um... Right. I started God, when I was when I was a wee nipper. Well, I say nipper, a young uh, teenager. It would have been second edition when I first started learning. Yeah. So the first full version I played, actually, where I had my own models and my friends had their own models, it would have been third edition. So, yeah, all the way through, I've played every edition. And I think that's it. And you've been able to see that those changes obviously go um, throughout that time period. And I think, um, that's obviously with myself being, you know, new to it all um, to a degree, you know, we had a good sort of like year of playing eighth edition. And that was kind of like my first like 40K experience. Yeah. Um, and then, like I say, we had that sort of like year and then, you know, we had the obvious and then we'd not been able to play for ages. And then, like I say, coming then straight back into ninth edition, um, it's like I say, it sort of flows, it flows really well for us. But like I say, I'm, I'm yeah, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed all the games that we've played from start to finish. The thing for me anyway that indicates that it's, it's a good game is that every game we've played, both of us have been like, oh my God, do you remember that bit? Oh, what a night, you know. It's like, God, when that happened, and yeah. you know, if you can walk away from a game and be that excited and pumped about it, surely that can only be a good thing. I think so. I think so because you know a lot of it is you know you got the models on the tabletop. It kind of is what it is. You know, it is. You know, the everything at the end of the day is to do with the luck of the roll of the dice. Um, I mean, I think I've I've just been incredibly lucky with my dice rolls recently. Pre-COVID, my dice rolls were absolutely terrible. Because no, you've been I working think... on those uh, homemade weighted dice that you... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. If you really love the universe and you, and, you, and, you, and you like the models and you can sort of see that, you know, vision um, sort of on the tabletop, I th- you know, I think you do walk away feeling, um, you know, excited about it. I really enjoy it. And like I say, I go home, tell the missus, she laughs at me and 
then that's that. Like I say, we've had some good, we've had some good moments, especially in especially in ninth edition. Um, I'm never going to let you live down the fact that I killed your chaplain with a pistol. Oh. That is never going to go. Um, every time I lose a game and you think, yeah, I beat you, I'm like, well, I killed your chaplain with a pistol. <laughs> so let, let, let's let's put this into context for, for the uh, for the game, uh, for the for the listeners, shall we? So. I had my Primaris Chaplain on bike, who, by the way, is awesome, and uh, I, I love the model, and he he's just really cool. He is a good model. He was down to one wound, and Mark had two dudes, what are they called? Uh, cat, um, cryptals. Cryptals, he had two of those, um, and he suddenly remembered, just before he was about to move on to the charge phase he suddenly remembered he had these two guys and they've each got a pistol so he rolled to hit and hit with one of them then rolled to wound and wounded with it and all I needed to do was save and I rolled a one so I had one command point left you know what I'm going to say I spent the command point rolled the dice and rolled another one so that was him dead and it was just oh what and I think it was, was. I think it was literally that as well because I almost finished the battle and I just went, oh my god I think they've got pistols. <laughs> yeah. Um And that was and that was it and I was so happy because the first game we played um, <laughs> he he was nasty wasn't he he just chewed through like so many of my units your chaplain and I was so happy this game that I managed to to kill him and to kill him at, right at the end as well with the pistol after, after he'd taken the full force of my um, army and then just just to finish him off with a pistol shot. Was just it was just the icing on the cake. Oh, it, it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> but you know, as you say, you probably deserved it for absolutely running the muck through your entire army the game yeah. before. So yeah, cool. definitely. But you know, while we're talking about things dying, resurrection protocols. Oh man, they are they are good. I will admit though, actually, in the first game that we played, I did actually do it slightly wrong, and I've um, and I've reread it, and I have changed it, and I've I've made it correct in the two most recent games we've played. Yeah, and um, but yeah, but it is horrible because, like I say, it's just every single round, it's every single time you shoot, every single time you fight. Obviously, when you get the models on the table as well to help with the regeneration as well, I think there's I think it's going to be absolutely absolutely horrible. I reckon in August when we play. We get it up to a thousand points or twelve fifty. Well, I think if we go to twelve fifty, because then that gives that gives me enough points. And I was working out a, a force the other day, um, and that gives me enough points to take a, a decent amount of Necron warriors on the table, um, and the other units that I've got as well. The uh, the Lynch Guard, quite a few HQ, and uh, I want to try the Triarch Walker as well. There you go, folks. You bear witness. We're going to go for twelve fifty for our next game. And yeah, that should be cool. Looking forward to it. But like I said, I think it's just great to be able to play the hobby again. I'll certainly be looking forward to our uh, trip to Warhammer World as soon as we can do it again. Yeah, I don't know when that will be, but I think uh, I'd imagine that everybody's looking forward to that. It'd be, mm. it'd be excellent to get up there again and see what changes they've made to the displays and everything. But more importantly, get on some of those awesome tables and uh, play a couple of games or something. It'd be wicked. Exactly. We'd have, exactly. have to save our pocket money, Mark. Save our pocket money. What pocket money? <laughs> <laughs> Everything about the the game, um, I, you know, I really enjoy. I haven't done as much research into the into the lore and stuff. I'm slowly getting. I'm slowly reading through the literature and 
just reading the backstories and things and uh you know i i absolutely love it and i think there's a lot there's a lot for me to learn from the game and a lot for me to learn especially in relation to the uh to the lore and the storylines behind it so far i'm enjoying every minute of it what are your plans in terms of models for your army next there's definitely got to be another set of lich guards i definitely need the 10-man squads and like i say there are a few other units which i do want to uh do want to buy as well in relation to um things like locust destroyers um i'm undecided as to yet as to what katan to buy because they're all really good in their own in their own right but some of them you've kind of got to use them at the right because if you don't use them at the right time then they're a bit pants. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a bit undecided as to what Katan unit to buy yet. And then obviously I need to get the uh, I need to get the king as well. Uh, the, the the correct answer is buy them all. And just <laughs> yeah, them all out. Decide which ones we want. What about a monolith? Are you going to get a monolith? I don't know. Is a simple answer to that one um, because they are like I say they are quite good um, and they are they're, they're beastie to kill as well. They're like once they're on the battlefield, they're they're pretty difficult to. To take back off, and they do help, especially with the movement of um, of troops, because uh, you can use your, use your stratagems to just literally just move your troops all over the battlefield with it. I probably will get one eventually, but it's not on my immediate purchase list. And they cost um, is it two CP to take them as well? Yeah, I think CP. you have to. I think you have to spend CP to take them on the field as well. That's like with my um, with my Leviathan Dreadnought for my Space Wolves. I have to spend a CP to bring that, mm. but that's cool. It's a Leviathan Dreadnought at the end of the day. Why would I not take it? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I need to plan it out now, though. This is the thing because obviously, once I've got the Necrons up to about two thousand points ish, I want to then concentrate back on the back on the Mechanicus. Yeah. Because um, I haven't even read their new codex yet. Have you got it yet? No, I haven't even bought it yet. Ooh. So I need to buy. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I need to I need to buy the new codex and stuff because apparently the new card I haven't read it, but from what I've seen on the on the Facebook feeds and things, um, it's it's a really nasty, it, um, it, it, really nasty codex. It's pretty, pretty flipping good by all accounts. Yeah, I keep meaning to ask you: Have you started using the app at all? The forty k app? No, yeah. not yet. I downloaded it, and then obviously I, I never did the subscription service to it. So, but with Warhammer Plus coming, um, you'll grab I'll, it as part of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll start using. I'll, I'll start using it as part of that. Obviously, if you're going to buy the Adeptus Mechanicus one anyway, mm. when you buy it, there's a code in the back of the book. So you, yes. you just put it into the code and then you access it. It, it's, it works really well. I really like it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's worth waiting. I mean, it's only August the 25th that goes live anyway, so it's not that far away. It's well yeah. worth doing it. No, exactly. And I think this is the thing. So, but yeah, the plan is 2,000 points of Necrons, 2,000 points of Mechanicus, and then it will be uh, 2,000 points of Blood Angels. The oh, missus doesn't know that yet, but oh, it will be 2,000 points of Blood Angels. Exclusive here, folks. He's going for the Blood Angels. <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to get Space Marines, for, for me, it's the Blood Angels. So what we need to do is we need to get you with Blood Angels, me with Space Wolves, against Jim with his Corn Berserkers, and Graham with whatever he's going to go for. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think he's decided yet. I can imagine Graham going for Thousand Sons, to be honest. You reckon? Well, he was Iron Warriors before, wasn't he? Well, he loves Iron Warriors, so see... Mm. I'd love it if he did Iron Warriors because I can remember his original Iron Warriors army. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful army. It was he was he's a really really good modeler and he's great at converting as well. Yeah, I'd love to see him have an Iron Warrior army again. 
Uh, so that'd be cool. Can you imagine that? Iron Warriors and Corn Berserkers versus Space Wars and Blood Angels. <laughs> That's been awesome, man. Thank you very much for coming along to the studio. And uh, until next time. Yeah, appreciate it. And uh, take it easy. That wraps up this episode of the Plus One to Hit podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please use the links in the show notes to follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. If you'd like to get in touch by email, I've also included our email address in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, may the dice gods be with you. Today on my... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>